Hello and welcome to What Goes Around. I'm Emma Mertar. I'm Anne Frankenstein. And we've got a great episode for you today. We have on today's show. I'll be talking about my uh, MTV jumper, which Eamon doesn't seem to like that much. I, I didn't but, uh, say that! I didn't say that! <laughs> you, uh, listen, it's recorded, so the people are going to hear what you said. But yeah, my beloved MTV jumper, and then we'll just be reminiscing uh, a little bit about MTV and our memories of when it was good. Yeah, and I will be talking about beef in dish served best, served hot, because uh, there's been a lot of uh, ructions in the grime and hip-hop world in the last week or two that really are uh, quite hilarious we must talk about because it's all so absolutely ridiculous. We'll also be taking a little trip to uh, Love Supreme Festival 2019, back in time to la last summer, where uh, me and my poor, poor boyfriend, Tim, uh, went out across the fields with a little microphone attempting to do box pops, <laughs> failing slightly, but the result uh, is, is entertaining. I know that there's, there's a, a great deal of determination in the way you hunt them down <laughs> and make them talk. And finally, in tonight's show, we're going to have a photographic memory with the marvellous Hannah Cartwright from Snow Ghosts. And she's going to tell us all about how to uh, make gothic music in a spooky castle and uh, many other excellent tales. So I hope you enjoy the show. Let's go. So I was doing an interview this afternoon and uh, I didn't realise it was going to be filmed because we have um, cameras in the studios here and deeply unflattering light as well. And if I knew it was going to be filmed for Jazz FM, I probably wouldn't have worn my MTV jumper it's with the MTV logo listener, on it. it. It's authentically faded. It has the, uh, the top head of Kid and Play <laughs> with the giant square haircut, uh, which turns into an M in the MTV. It's quite, I don't know, it's retro shriek, I'd say. I think it's not as probably not as bad as you feel, but I understand and that's probably a comfy Sunday afternoon sweaty, right? Listen, I love this sweatshirt. I wasn't asking for your critique of this sweatshirt. <laughs> Thank you, though. I'll keep Listen, that in I'm mind. a man of a thousand black t-shirts. <laughs> that's true. What I wanted to ask you, Eamon, was I love M... Well, I've done something terribly <laughs> wrong, guys. Listen, Don't worry, I can take it. I'm not out of the studio by 12, send help. <laughs> Listen, we'll post a picture of the jumper. I'm sure you'll all agree that it's a wonderful it's jumper. I was trying to compliment it. In my, in my <laughs> you give a compliment like my mum gives a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I've got to say, it's, it's the best compliment I've ever heard anyone ever say, or maybe it's not even a compliment, it floored the entire room. My wife uh, met my mum one day and she came in, she had some new shoes on, and my mum looked down and goes, Ah, oh, where did you get them shoes from? McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> No one mean? knew what to say. So what, Did what they look mean? like they came from McDonald's? I don't know. The only thing we could think is like, is she saying they're like clown shoes? Or, or uh, I don't know. That's a reach, though. I know. Well, I don't. I don't know what she meant, but it was it was a real conversation. <laughs> Irish mums. Irish mums can't give you a proper compliment in case you get notions. Exactly. That's the trouble. Exactly. That. Anyway, no, my sorry, point was, Eamon, So MTV to me represented when I was growing up the coolest thing on earth. It was so cool that I got completely obsessed with it to the point that my parents tuned it out so that I couldn't get it anymore. Every day I used to flick onto MTV and it would just be um, white noise and fuzz uh, because my parents thought I was getting dangerously obsessed with it. And I think I was only like nine or ten at the time so they're probably, you know, the Bon Jovi Always video and stuff like that. Probably there was a few the, things that the were start of all those bit unsuitable. soft porn hip-hop videos that the, came up. That's it, the, exactly. But to me, like, because we got, in Ireland, we got 
on MTV Europe so it was just a little bit edgy <laughs> all the presenters had like shaved heads and septum piercings and snake tattoos and stuff oh, wow. I, you can imagine how yeah. you know speaking as someone with all three of those things <laughs> um, you, you can imagine how formative what, what an effect it had on me and just like that whole sort of early 90s um, sort of um, fanzine style TV everything was sort, sort of cut and pasted together and like Beavis and Butthead which my mum just obsessively hated anytime we were watching a cartoon on TV even after she tuned MTV out she'd be like you're not watching that bloody Beavis and Butthead <laughs> she, ha- she hated it just in principle you know it was a real moral panic issue with my mum and uh, I'm just curious about your memories of MTV well uh, I'm a little bit older so I can remember it coming and I remember it I mean, it was. It was insanely cool. Uh, principally because at the start, we couldn't get it. Mm. It was it was only in America for a little while. And the idea, I think I was like 13 or something, but the idea of a, a TV station that showed nothing but music. Man, I was in. I mm. was all in. And, you know, and then there was uh, all Live Aid time and I want my MTV and all that. And I know it's Dire Straits and Sting, but, you know, I was a teenager and I was young. And, uh, and you know, I, I dug it for a while. It was cool. Um, and then there was things like the... Michael Jackson video thriller and all this. So there were lots of things. It was really cool for a while, but the demise. Oh, oh devastating. Devastating. From a height. Yeah. They yes. went down the tubes. It all started when they started cribbing and reality showing. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then and it was nothing but cribs and reality shows. There's no, there's no fucking music on it anymore. No, exactly. It's <laughs> devastating. No, it's so true. But I mean, you know, the jumper that I have on now is not a vintage jumper. It's just very old and, and flea-bitten. The, the logo, I, I think... You've ruined the effect now. I thought, <laughs> I'm sorry. I it's Listen, it's radio. It's radio. I thought you'd had it since the early days in Ireland. Oh, I wish. Clip. My mum would have forbade it. But no, I think the logo is owned by this company called Bravado who owns uh, the Ramones logo and all of this uh, other yeah, stuff, yeah, which is why yeah. you see the Ramones yeah, popping up in uh, Primark because everything's for sale nowadays but I just think it's sad that it's moved so far away yeah. from what it was you know the stuff like Fab Five Freddy hosting Yo MTV Raps like one episode of that is just an iconic piece of television and I and I, I, I feel like it doesn't get enough there should be a station just rerunning old MTV shows basically I feel like it doesn't get enough credit for what it was I'll watch any old music shit that's been, <laughs> that's been around the mill Let's once be honest, or twice yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly happy there but <laughs> I, I tell you what else it really reminds me of uh, was a real renaissance in British music because when the videos came in for some reason Britain probably through um, Hall and Oates not Hall and Oates uh, Godly and Cream oh yeah um, they started making videos and they made really bloody good videos and suddenly you had this wave of British bands that were getting airplay in America like you couldn't have bought Mm -hmm. in a million years because they had good videos Duran Duran Squeeze or loads of them just came, started coming through, uh, Godly and Queen themselves, um, and they started bringing out these videos, and suddenly you could look at like, the, the sort of the top headline show of MTV, and seven out of the ten were like UK acts. It was yeah. crazy. And this was back when a music video had to have a bit of a story or a bit of a something, something to it. It, yeah. it wasn't just like Fish Eye Lens with Hype Williams, you know, yeah, big yeah, ties yeah. on a beach kind of thing. <laughs> big ties on a beach. I mean, that has its place, <laughs> listen. But, you know, it wasn't just this high budget stuff. Like, even that Always video by Bon Jovi, I remember sitting there locked to it, like, then what happened? Then what happened? Yeah. You know, and just like the Aerosmith videos and stuff where it would be like, you know, some girl getting her belly button pierced. It was so I think exciting. We stayed up late to watch Thriller. Oh time yeah, that was on, and that was you know because that really was a proper film. It was like 14 minutes long or something, you know, and it was uh, 
the effects were mind-blowing at the time. <laughs> and it was just... There was nothing cooler in the world, you know what I mean? It was it was the bomb. Yeah. And then you look at it now and it is a sad old parody of nothing. And I don't understand why we don't get more of this stuff. There, there is a massive archive of old stuff at MGB. There's a massive archive of music shows on ITV and Channel 4. The Chart Show. The Chart Show, The Tube, Snub TV, all of these. Bring them back, chop them up. Yeah. You know, maybe on the... BB box is there, there's a bead box now, isn't there? There's like a. What are you talking about? Television. There's some subscription. Oh, is there like a music like TV show? BBC and ITV. Oh, together. Britbox. Britbox, that's it. Beebox. Beebox. Yeah, the Britbox. Maybe they, they, they'd be chucking them out on there. I don't know. But... No, that's all Emma Thompson and bloody Emma Thompson. And uh, and Morse. Inspector Morse. <laughs> yeah, Inspector Morse. <laughs> Although, and maybe uh, some Ab I Fab. always loved, there was, there was a rave episode of Inspector Morse. Uh, <laughs> and my mate was, uh, was an expert. Was he invested? Someone die from taking drugs? I yeah, bet they did. Was, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, there was, and, the, and the raves were like a secret cult. Type thing. <gasps> but my mate Jumps uh, was, uh, was an extra juggling at the rave. And, uh, <laughs> Jumps. You know, good days, good days. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, MTV no more, I don't think. Uh, I'd love to see more TV like that. And I think, you know, BBC4 has run out of funding and and Mojo, really, for Mm. for producing that kind of thing. And just everything. I still watch it, but I've seen it all now. (laughs) I've seen it all. But then again, BBC4 is more kind of like, here's a very, very placid uh, documentary about yeah. this subject, looking back in it. Although that Jeremy Dello thing was absolutely amazing. Yeah, there's a nice one. Stuart Copeland did one recently. Oh, yeah. And that was, that's a really worth a watch, just about um, about music and the effect it has on people, mm. which is kind of what we hear about, you know, yeah. rather than necessarily blowing smoke up some star's ass, where, you know, people it, really enjoying the music and what it does to them and how they, they felt different by it. That's what mm. it's all about. So that's a really good one. So they do still make good original content, but, you know, Easy listening at the BBC, uh, yeah. hot chocolate at the BBC, oh, someone else at the BBC. Taylor but that's the different BBC. to the Tom no, Jones no at the one BBC. has made, no one has gone back and looked at actually how exciting and cool MTV was. Yeah. To me, the brand just represents this whole thing of like early nineties grungy, you know, Daria and all this sort of cool cynicism and stuff. It was just that sweet spot. I was a little bit too young for it, and therefore, to me, it was the coolest thing on earth, which is why I'm in today. I'm wearing this jumper. She looks hot. Faxy. Faxy, I say. <laughs> well, listen, that's for, that's for us. Any TV uh, producers out there, just... Uh, Feature-length film about MTV. We can do this. Let's Come do to us. this. We'll do it. Yo, MTV Rats. Oh, please don't. <laughs> do you want, would you like to see my crib? <laughs> <laughs> I've got be- a balcony in Hackney. <laughs> Listen, um, the best one I ever saw of cribs actually was, uh, and this can be an outtake. We can put this on the on the uh, on the extras reel <laughs> the for uh, subscribers. Um, the best one I ever saw of cribs was uh, some guy from Cash Money Millionaires showing someone around his uh, spare room, and his the pillows. Each pillow had a fox foot on the corner, a real-life fox foot on the mm. corner, and there was, like, um, fox tails hanging down off the bed. Can you imagine That's... going into someone's guest room? Real fox head. Real fox feet. That's just weird. Creepy little fox feet on the corner of each pillow. Because mm. nothing says decadence. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like fox claws on your pillows, Ooh. scraping your face at night. <laughs> <laughs> Not for me. Not for me, I don't know. <laughs>
feel about beef? Uh, beef, the meat. No, beef. The hardcore rapping, griming game, you know what I mean? When I... It's like beef <laughs> oh, I see, yeah, because yeah, yeah. It, you know, uh, I, mean, I, I very much enjoyed uh, the um, little spat between Wiley, the godfather of UK grime. Next thing, she's wearing my Rolex. <laughs> you made me promise I wouldn't do that. Just for context, guys, so you know who we're talking about. Now you know. Yeah, yeah. He, and, you know, he's, he's a bad man from, from way back, you know. He's, he's the one that locals back. Uh, but... He's basically he kind of gave Stormzy a, a leg up on the, on the whole scene, and now Stormzy has obviously gone stratospheric and all that sort of stuff. But I think something happened somewhere along the way. They're always dissing each other, and Wiley is the kind of bloke who could start an argument in an empty room. He really could. <laughs> he's he's wonderfully. I mean, he's not stupid. He's obviously a very clever guy, but he's got kind of a an odd outlook on the world, mm. and and just he does always seem to say the wrong thing or, or poke the wrong... Is he resentful that he's not as big as Stormzy? Is that part of the beef? I think that might... Well, his thing was that he had a beef with Dizzy, Dizzy Rascal as well because Dizzy mm. went on and did all this pop stuff. Wiley's thing is he's always stayed true to grime. So he, he's underground, he's on the scene, in the village, as he likes to call it, um, doing, doing the, the real thing. He wouldn't water down his music, whereas Dizzy Rascal goes off with Armand Van Helden and Calvin Harris and makes terrible records that sell shitloads, you know, but they are terrible records. Mm. And I think Stormzy's at the stage at the moment where he's come up, he's done a very good album, and now he's done a not quite as good album that's a lot more poppy. And you just, you can see the trajectory where he's going. And, you know, as soon as your your tough underground grime MC cuts a record with Ed Sheeran, the alarm does do start ringing. <laughs> Ed Sheeran's been latching himself on to, um, you know, other people's grime careers for did, a long time. He did time. a track called, with Stormzy called Take Me Back to London. He's from Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to go to London. That's the point. So I think the thing is that Wiley feels that Stormzy's kind of sold out and isn't isn't repping grime despite being called the new king of grime and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And Stormzy probably feels that Wiley is a bit of an old man grumbling. And I think they've both got a case. But what I loved about it is a proper proper spat. You remember Blur and Oasis? You know? mm. I mean, there were mm. loads, of, loads of chat. Healthy and days, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, loads of chat and all the interviews and all that sort of stuff and they were quite angry at each other. Although I find Nolan Liam Gallagher to be a bit like oh. r- rude in a, in a sort of a cruel and... and they're, uh, they're definitely pub board territory. Now, yeah, 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 exactly. So, but um, what I liked about when, when, when rappers do it, like... Wiley goes away, records a two-minute dub. <laughs> he gets a beat and he just goes, you're a... Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, one, the first one, he's just like, you never cared about grime, you just used it worse than Ed, you watered down your music. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Stormzy, Stormzy comes back on, on his reply record. And he props to Stormzy, because he's on, he's on a big label now with all this sort of stuff. I don't think anyone expected him to actually do a proper reply. Because in Grime, mm. they used to do this thing where they send. They, they send for you. So I'm going I'm to send for Anne Frankenstein and I'm going to I'm gonna wrap her out and I'm going to do my thing. And then she's got to come back with a dub that beats my rap. You know what I mean? So it's an like old school thing. I like that. the people at the top of the record company must have been shitting themselves. Or they were like, this is a fucking brilliant, like, bad or good, this is good I PR. Think, I think that's how it ended up. But mm. I can imagine the initial conversations as you're not getting drawn down into one of those. <laughs> but he did, he, he brought one back and he had a lovely line in his reply that goes, the only thing bigger than me last year was Brexit, which I thought was real. Oh, that's that good. That is a classy one. And true. And true, yeah, very true. Uh, he did it on a drill beat, though, not a grind beat. Mm. I don't know the difference. Ah, one slow, one's faster. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then Wiley came back and just upped the ante. Like I say, man could start a fight in an empty room. And he goes, if I see your mum in Croydon Market, I'm going to rip that weave right off her head. Ooh! <laughs> I mean, that! Ouch! Do you know, I like that because it's clever. Do you know what I mean? He's not going for the juggler. He's not like, I'm going to come and kill you because you're a fool. He's yeah, like talking yeah. about his mum yeah. and about uh, it, that is cold. And then Stormzy comes back because Wiley had this thing where he got in some beef with some big, big gangster dons or whatever. And they came knocking on his door, basically, and his mum's like, oh, what's going on? And he got really frightened. So he moved his mum out of Cyprus for a week or two and then brought her back, you know, because that's what you do when you want to solve these things. And so Stormzy goes straight in there. You can't even look after your own mum. You have to move her to Cyprus. <gasps> so it's burning hot, this yeah. thing. And, and these are dubs. They're dropping every other day. Do you know what I mean? Well, this is my favourite bit of the whole story. Peter Andre, Peter, I love my kids, Andre, rocks up in the middle of the Twitter spat, right? And he just goes, lads, lads, I know we've got beef here, but let's not bring our mums into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that moment, I just looked to my Twitter feed and I went, this website's free! This is genius! Oh, that's brilliant. Did oh. they did they acknowledge Peter Andre? Were they like, all right, Pete? No, they, 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 you can almost hear them like side eye him in the yes. corner. It's like, Seriously. we're just going to pretend that didn't like. happen, bro. <laughs> and carry on with this way to bring everyone's credibility way down. <laughs> Let's not get mums into it, man. <laughs> so um, so, it, you know, it's still going on, right? So then. Um, so Wiley's gone away on holiday and then Stormzy's been on this world tour. He's back for a couple of days because of the Brits. So he says, come to Rinse FM, five days' time, and we'll do it live on air. <gasps> but Wiley's in Cyprus. So now now, okay. now he's going, Wiley's scared, and Wiley's going, I didn't know you were here. And he's yeah, been yeah, still yeah. going, so Wiley's going, okay, if I can't do that, let's get the O2, we'll get Barry Hearn to promote it, and we'll have a live battle at the O2. I mean, this shit's great. Yeah. Blur and Oasis didn't do nothing. No. You know, that was all bullshit. When, can you imagine if they started dropping dubs? The first is like <laughs> Blur just into a, an old sort of English folk melody. <laughs> you naughty young boys from Manchester, you've got more. You know, and then a couple of weeks later, it'll be like, uh, you're going to die. <laughs> you are still Because you can't ask why. <laughs> and then they'd be Worst back, lyrics of know. all time on behalf of Noel Gallagher. Yeah, so yeah. bad. Yes, that's amazing. That's really good. That is proper good old school entertainment. I totally approve of that. Yeah, popcorn sales went up 300%, you know? <laughs> <laughs> popcorn gif usage went up about 400%. Whatever I said about beef at the beginning, yeah, I'm up for some beef. If, that, yeah. if, that, if that's how it plays out, I'm into it. I started thinking about, like, you know, because if Blowing Oasis did, obviously they'd have their thing, but, you know, then I started thinking, who else could do it? Imagine if Take That and Westlife just started dropping angry ballads at each other. That would be glorious, wouldn't it? <laughs> just go away, don't come around here no more. Westlife, you're our way. I mean, I'd love it, I'd love it, I'd love it. So uh, I, I say big up to the pair of them because, you know, I think because of his popularity at the moment, a lot of people have been giving widely the nod. But essentially... I think, uh, oh, oh, rather, given Stormzy the nod, mm. I think um, Wiley's done his job, though. He's poked the, the, the hornet's nest. He's got this massive star to come back to Grime Roots and actually have a clash. Mm. Everyone's talking about Grime, you know? Everyone's, like, into the whole whole thing. We're all having a good laugh about it. And it's just, I, I found it charming. It's not like in America. They take those things too seriously in America and yeah, start yeah, shooting yeah. each other. Yeah. They just rip a weave off his mum's head. <laughs> That's what we want. So good. Yeah. So um, I love that for many reasons, but that, that is how British gangsters do it, man. They just insult mums. That's some tasty beef. I love it. Love it.
Guys, can I just stop you? Sorry, have you got two seconds? I'm just asking some questions for a podcast I'm doing called What Goes Around. My name's Anne Frankenstein. No, you look like you're in a rush. You got some ways to go? <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to stop you and ask you a few questions for a podcast called What Goes Around. You look terrified. <laughs> Would you mind or are you on your way somewhere? Just walking past the jazz and the round stage. Bands and voices. Some kind of... Uh, Bleepy bloopy experimental music happening in the background there. I feel like I need to wait until people are a bit more drunk. Okay. All right, would you like to be asked some questions? I don't mind. Okay, what's your name? Liam. Okay, and uh, are you a big fan of festivals? Is Love Supreme one of the festivals that you come to regularly? Only because I live in the village. Oh, that's the only reason, really. Do you go to Glyndebourne as well? I've never been to Glyndebourne, although I'd quite like to. And what appeals about Love Supreme over Glyndebourne? The fact they give us free tickets. <laughs> that's the only reason you come, because they give you free tickets. Yeah. That's the sound of the arena stage in the background. Some lovely falsetto vocals. Just walking past the Burrito Boys and Frank Water. Selling chilled filtered water. Things have changed. This is a very civilised festival. Ladies, do you mind if I... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Hi, my name's Anne Frankenstein. Just doing some recording for a podcast called What Goes Around. If uh, if the rains came and washed all of your... Are you camping? We are. Okay. And if the rains came, which is unlikely, but if the rains came and washed all your stuff away, what one thing that you brought with you, apart from your phone, would you... Obviously Make sure car you. Car keys. Are <laughs> That's really boring, though. Maybe okay, cool. I think warm socks. How do you guys manage to? Stay? I mean, it's, I know it's only day one, but you're both very glamorous. How do you stay so glamorous in a festival situation? That's easy. Come and see us this time tomorrow. It'll be a different story. <laughs> All right, we'll do an update then. And what brings you to Love Supreme? We came last year, actually. Yeah. Uh, first time, so thought we'd come back again. And are you used camping? We are, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't like festivals. I'm too high maintenance for camping. We're staying in an Airbnb around the corner. Okay. Do you enjoy camping or is it just like a necessary evil? Personally, I can't really put up a tent well. So okay. I <laughs> recommend someone else to build yeah. something else. That's a good tip. Yeah. Do you mind camping now? Do you miss your creature comforts? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't yeah. bring a pillow. I think that's... <laughs> That's the huge problem. So what am I going to sleep on? I don't even think they sell pillows here. You're going to have to... Oh, no, the general store's got everything for you. They have pillows? I think so. And one question then, if the rains came, which I don't think is going to happen, but it's always a possibility, if the rains came and washed half your stuff away, what one thing would you want to hold on to that you brought to this festival with you? Probably my flip-flops. Oh, that's a good choice. We had one just now. So classy around here. They've got a lobster and fish finger sandwich place next to a waffle bar and a gourmet mac and cheese. I mean, can something be gourmet at a festival? Probably not. They have a cash machine van, which charges about 15 pounds to take out cash. What's your name? Chris. And what's your name? Izzy. What's your experience of bringing kids to festivals, apart from maybe not getting to see the people you want to see? Is it a fun experience with the kids? But yeah, I think the main thing is we've got our trolley. Yes, we've got I a love pillow. The There's ear yeah. defenders going on. We've got nice. glow sticks. We've got glitter. And uh, yeah, they've all had curly whirlies. <laughs> I might need a curly whirly before the end of the night. That's it. Make it fun for them, and don't worry too much about you know your own personal. Yeah. Oh, I must see this. Have a wonderful festival. Lovely to meet you guys. Yeah, cool. I'll see you later. Bye.
sunset is absolutely stunning. Looks like a melted calippo in the distance. What are your top tips? Because I'm too high maintenance for festivals, really. I always have to get an Airbnb. What would you say to convince me that camping is the best way to go? Normally in England it's fine because there's no sun, but <laughs> it's, it's harder than normal this year, I think. Yeah. Do you need so, this? So you can use lots of liquid. Water and ah, yeah. Use a little tin cup. Yeah, reusable cups. Yeah. That's my job tip. Yeah. Just there, just went through. Good for beer, Put good the for sun water. Lotion on as soon as you get up. Yes, you don't want to be the... like that guy. Exactly. No yeah. Yeah. He was like, oh, which way am I going? That, that, that way. That way. Oh, poor um, you sound about as enthusiastic as I am about festivals. <laughs> I, think, I think the idea of them is probably nicer than actually being there sometimes. That's 100% how I feel, except you get to go home to your own house after this. Exactly. I think I wasn't prepared for everyone to be so terrified of me. Because if someone came up to me with a microphone, I'd be like, yeah, yeah let's, <laughs> let's chat. Yeah, exactly. What we're going to do right here is go back. Way back. Back into time. Our guest tonight is Hannah Cartwright, a.k.a. Augustus Ghost, the smoky voice siren from gothic electronica trio Snow Ghosts. Now on their third album for Houndstooth Records, Snow Ghosts combine a club sensibility with a supernatural spookiness, taking influence from folk, electronica and the darker side of metal. Their latest album, A Quiet Ritual, showcases an increasingly uncompromising sound, which is one of them plaudits across the board. Hannah, welcome. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Wow, you can actually just read anything beautifully, perfectly from scripts. <laughs> Don't give away my superpower. I'll have people sending me scripts from all over the place. That was a good thing, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's lovely to have you, Hannah. Thank uh, you for I'm inviting me. Big mm. fan, as you know. Coming to the big smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about this castle that you've come in from. <laughs> so um, I set up a studio with Ross, who is also in Snow Ghosts. Um, which is uh, in Wiltshire, uh, but it's in. We are renting a a castle, yeah, in the woods, and it's absolutely mad, beautiful place. Um, but yeah, life's changed a little bit. I'm I'm now into the uh, foraging, make your own wine, kind of uh, full country bumpkin goth. I'm not sure how those things combine, but I think making your own wine and living in a castle compromise the, or c- comprise the goth element. That's true. The castle, <laughs> I suppose, helps with the kind of like. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah. In what respect is it a castle? Um, well, I can show you a photo, but that won't come across on the podcast. <laughs> I reckon... Create an arrow photo for me. Okay, so it's got crenulations. Ooh, cool wow. word, right? Yeah. Um, which, in my head, makes it a castle. Yeah. It's got, so, two turrets. If it's end. got turrets, it's a castle. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Turrets with crenulations, and then, like, a long barn in the middle, which kind of, I think, might have been originally a stable, because it's still got the little, um, like, door holders, yeah. iron door things, you yeah. know what I mean, along the beams in the middle. Wow. But it's proper old school. But, Sounds yeah, amazing. Fun. Is that is that good stimulus for making the kind of music you're making? I think it is, because you, you're surrounded by nature and, and uh, yeah, in a somewhat dark kind I was going to say, there is, there, I mean, the, your music definitely has a dark and slightly uh, sort of spooky tinge to it all the way through, <laughs> so I imagine making it in a castle must be perfect. Yeah. So much fun. We had, um, for the last album... We had um, John Kenny, uh, who's the Carnix player. I'd look that one up, by the way, if you haven't seen it. It's a six-foot-long Iron Age horn with a boar's head on top. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, recording this in the castle, and I was like, this doesn't get more 
yeah. kind of crazy. At one point, he had it over my shoulder, um, getting me to kind of ceremonially sing while he was playing it, like, but like, <laughs> kind of stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a bit mad. There's some strange nights in the yeah, castle. It yeah. really does get candlelit so um, and bonkers. If I was, it was say, say if me and, me and uh, Anne were driving our way across the Bath countryside and we broke down on a, on a rainy night. <laughs> well, we have actually once ordered a takeaway there and the poor guy... <laughs> <laughs> to the castle, don't make me go! <laughs> As you can imagine, like, not many people deliver there. No. Or no and he had no idea he was going and it was like thundery, kind of rainy night. And he just rocked oh, up, brilliant. soaking wet and terrified. She come through <laughs> these like massive gates, and it's just like the most scary, horrendous-looking place. Wow. Deliver who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You see, this is one of the reasons why I always say to my boyfriend that I can never leave London because what kind of takeaways can you get when you're not in Hackney? <laughs> oh, mate, when I come back here, it's just like sushi. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I miss sushi so much. What What was the takeaway that you're? This is fundamental. I realize no, no, this, this is big. This may seem like it bears no relation to what we're actually. Talking but I need to know what's the takeaway that you actually managed to get delivered the there. The only thing that would deliver there was pizza. Oh, okay, oh, that's, that's, that's yeah. not and bad, I make no. a far better sourdough pizza oh, than like you, the stuff. I have to say, I mean, one of the main reasons I, I stay in London is definitely the food. Absolutely, I remember that when I used to first come in uh, years and years ago, uh, see the odd gig or whatever. It's Jamaican food. Couldn't get Jamaican oh. food anywhere where I was, you know, apart from my next door neighbour who was occasionally I did blag my way into their dinner times. <laughs> but um yeah, I used to come up here to Mr. Jerk's, which is now Joy's jerk shop or something now. But oh, oh so God, good. just a lifetime of love has been spawned from the Jamaican food. I just love it. My that grandma stuff. was um, born and brought up in St. Kitts in the Caribbean. Oh, no way. I've been there a few times. Oh my god, the food is amazing. Do you know what I like about it? Is because my family were all Irish. And so, uh, you know, Irish food, we know about this, don't we? It's basically <laughs> loads of spuds, loads of this, loads of that. Potatoes loads of everything. When you, when you go <laughs> yeah. for a meal at an Irish house, you come, you come out carrying your stomach in a wheelbarrow. Mm. You know you've had a load of food. And it's kind of stodgy and warming and hearty and really nice like that. And Jamaican food does all of that with spice. Yeah, with flavour, oh, I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> it's got I, some flavour added. I politely went for spice rather than flavour, but yeah. No uh, need to be polite. Uh, well, now you're here tonight to discuss your phonographic memories, which are the songs that hit you at a certain time, place in your life, and we just want to know who you were, what was going on, why did these songs mean so much to you at that time, and how did they come into your life? So uh, what's your first phonographic memory, Hannah? Ooh, you're going to like it. It's full cheese. I've gone for a Phil Collins version of Groovy Kind of Love. Yes. What's the story behind this one? So... I grew up in the Middle East, in Abu Dhabi, um, and uh, I think it must have been at the age where I was still in a car seat, because I distinctly remember being in a car seat, and I think my mum had two, either a mixtape or two tapes that she just played on repeat, and one of them definitely had Bruce Hornsby's That's Just The Way It Is, and the other one was Groovy Kind Of Love. And it wasn't until I was about 10 that I realised that Baby You and Me wasn't me, my mum and my dad. Oh. 
<laughs> which is really, cute. really well. It's kind of you think about it. First child, I was the whole world. Then, then my brother and sister came along, and suddenly it's ruined like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> now, oh, it's, oh, it's about someone else. Oh, right. Fine. Oh, get it. <laughs> so, that, was that a car thing then? Yeah. Very much. I have vivid memories of because Abu Dhabi, even then, was quite built up, mm. and I remember sitting in a car seat listening to this song and like staring up at the kind of buildings going by and just and no it's just one of those ones that just takes me every time I hear it straight back to a car seat which oh. is odd and it's definitely not the meaning of the song and I didn't realize because I looked it up um before coming on the podcast and I didn't realize he actually did it as a demo the cover um for Buster the film that's right yeah because I was gonna say it might take you back to a happy place it takes me back to working in the cinema <laughs> <laughs> just, I saw that way too often. I, I had a groovy kind of love going around my head for about eight years. Yeah, it is. demo and didn't realize they were actually going to use it in the film and then it just was put out i say he was angry about that he's an angry kind of guy isn't he well it hit number one oh okay fair <laughs> enough he probably relented the, well, collins is like an angry kind which, of i'm, I'm not guy, gonna have a word it? said against phil i'm not saying anything against no, him not not because i'm a big phil fan or anything uh -huh. although you know he has his moments uh, but uh, my first single that was ever released i was yeah. in a band called subchance and phil collins put the money up for the label that put the single out. And there's a That's guy, awesome. yeah, this guy in Oxford, I can't remember his name now, but um, he basically wrote to all of the the local rich people. <laughs> so, so, so he wrote to like... That's how uh, he used to work. He, he wrote to like Michael Heseltine, he wrote to uh, Richard Branson, and he wrote to blah, 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 all these different people, loads of them, like about a dozen different people. Phil Collins wrote back and said, okay, here's 600 pounds to start your label with. Aww. All I ask is that you send me a copy of everything that you put out. So, not only was Phil a gent in getting my, my dream came true with that single, because that's all I ever wanted to do, but I can honestly tell you both, without a word of a lie, that Phil Collins has one of my records in his oh collection. Oh, my God. That's, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so cool. Uh, are you just picturing, Annie, are you just picturing, like, the Cadbury's gorilla, like... That hadn't even come into my mind. For some reason, I, he just always seemed like quite a serious guy. Takes himself quite seriously and I think there was some, some rather risque, slightly grumpy rumours about when he split up with his wife, because allegedly uh. he... Uh, Filed for divorce by sending her a fax. Ooh, that is eighties cold. That's, cold. that's eighties steel. Yeah, isn't it? that really is. Was it with a drawing, or was it like, like written? <laughs> you with a big X to it, a heartbroken into it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I think I I, that's a good machines. way to go. I, I love them too. I know, sorry, tangenting a bit, but that's right. when um, during living in the Middle East, when the first Gulf War broke out, we had to move back here, and my dad stayed over there. And just to, to clear up, he's not working in oil. It's, he has a gift shop. It's like not that sort of family. Um, but we used to communicate via fax and like draw faxes for dad. And like it's just 
Sorry, I make myself sound old now. <laughs> no, no we all know. Remember, in love fax machines. Uh, no, it's a lovely, lovely thing because they're really I, old as well. Like, sorry, I've been listening to way too many podcasts. Right. But I think, <laughs> let me get this right. You're gonna have to wiki this. Yeah. Or fact check it at least. But <laughs> some like, mm, they're definitely like as old as the telephone. Really? Surely or the telephone close was... enough too. Really? Yeah. Well, we're gonna fact check. I, they were like a kind up. of like novelty. Yeah, have a look. Someone... Well, someone invented it and they were like, I invented this thing, but there's no use for it like, in the I world think... until the 80s like, came along. I, I want to say, like, someone in France or, like, someone quite... Check it for me so I don't sound stupid. Facsimile, sometimes called telecopying. I wish it was, or oh, wow. telefax. Are you going to read uh, it out, like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, No, <laughs> yeah, just, like, one long sentence. Uh, the patent was applied for in 1843. No the electric printing Ooh. telegraph. Wow. Now, 1924, right? scientists scientists of the AT&T <laughs> Corporation by, by a new process of transmitting pictures by electricity sent 15 photographs by telephone Amazing. from Cleveland all the way to New York City. So, yeah, we're going back to the 1800s. Yeah, so when you say you, you, it was making you sound old, you weren't joking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't realise you were a vampire as well as living in a castle. Just about to say that. <laughs> you got to the joke before me. Oh, sorry. Um, Phil Collins, though, that, having been exposed to that track at such an early age and then gone on to make music yourself, is there an influence there in the music, even a distant influence in the music that you make. I really think there is, and like I make quite a lot of music um, under pseudonyms and stuff like that. That, um, which I love as an indulgence, because mm. I think you know you can have your main sort of passion or the sort of music that makes you feel, uh, I don't know, emotional or most emotionally connected to. But then there's something so fun about like making a tropical pop. Yeah. I've just done something for a pop metal album, which is hilarious, <laughs> where I was screaming into a scarf and my dog was, only because I couldn't get my mic low enough to, yeah, to stop yeah, it. Yeah. I've got to scream, I never realised. <laughs> and my poor dog thought I was dying. Every time I started doing this, he'd just come in and be like, oh, what? Oh, that's so cute. Terrified. Yeah, yeah. As a cat owner, I know my, my cat would just be staring at me, just going, shut up. Oh, Gary would be concerned. <laughs> he's he's not a, he's not care. the concerned type, Gary. Cats <laughs> don't care. Let's face it. Come on. Um, should we move on to your next phonographic memory? Tell us about sure. this one. Okay, so um, this one's a complete tangent. Uh, it's Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. Oh, yeah. This is Gear the song. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is, yeah! <laughs> this is the track that everyone, like at house parties when I was like 15, someone mm -hmm. would get a guitar out, there'd be some hopeful boy sitting there strumming along. That's my memory. Yeah, people like you and me going, no, we're not unplugging the decks. No, we're not. <laughs> yeah. That was actually eventually me. Uh, one that, of those. I apologise. Yeah. Not a boy, but definitely... <laughs> definitely can reel off and nothing else matters. <laughs> Not so much in the Hetfield voice that I've adapted now. Ask ask the band. I drive them mad, like occasionally just by singing all of our songs in a James Hetfield voice. That's amazing. <laughs> Is that another one of your pseudonyms? <laughs> James Hetfield 2.0. Right, Hannah Hetfield. <laughs> <laughs> This way, 
takes me back to is um again still in Abu Dhabi um and I was I think maybe 14 or 15 and um I went to a very weird school where they sort of stopped music um but I was sort of playing I picked up the guitar and was playing with a few friends of mine and we formed a uh, a band called the high class bums all right <laughs> oh yeah I like that and we were sort of doing covers and I remember I sang through this tiny weenie digital fender amp because we didn't have anything else to sing through and I couldn't even sing loud enough to cover the horrendous noise that was happening. But um, <laughs> I, when researching this story, because it's quite a long time ago, uh, I messaged my sister and was just checking that it was with this band that this happened. Um, and she said, <laughs> she's in Sri Lanka at the moment, she's like, um, I, don't, I can't remember for sure, but mum... If you if you're at home, check my fluffy Eeyore book <laughs> because in there I've kept a diary of all the gigs that you guys did and all oh. the ticket stumps and everything. I was just like, you absolutely! I didn't even know she did that. Oh, that's adorable! So sweet. Oh, that? so, sweet. so, we uh, went to a battle of the bands in Dubai. So that's like a two-hour journey, and my mum drove us up there. Bless her. Because it's you know it's a very different sort of setup to here. You don't yeah. really have public transport, mm. um, but we were very much the small, small fish in the big pond. Um, there was a really cool band of like older kids called Illuminatus who were. <gasps> Ooh, they sound serious. Yeah, they were. They were serious. They <laughs> proper serious. They were like the ones pegged to win, right. and we were like the complete underdogs. And we did a a cover of Zombie by the Cranberries. Oh yeah, which. I have to admit, it's still probably my karaoke go-to. Powerful. <laughs> um, and for some fucking ridiculous reason, we won. <gasps> yes, because you were so better than Illuminatis. Well, no, I, you know, in hindsight, I don't think we were, but I think they were just like, oh, a girl on stage. Woo, in the yeah. 80s, 90s, sorry. Um, no, it'd probably be the noughties, wouldn't it? Yeah. Even that is pretty forward thinking now. Yeah. For the early noughties, for them to be like, women, yeah. Women are allowed to do things. Yeah. We were still in Dubai as well, so there weren't... Mm. I might have been the only girl Double pressure. that did anything. So I might have had a bit of an advantage there, and I'd just like to hold Listen, my hands up. A win's a win. Yeah. They can't Don't take that away from What are they called again? The high-class bums? The high-class bums. So wow. good. Oh, it's yeah. like such a We did like a grand total of about two, maybe three gigs. So, well, that collection you were talking about is now paled in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Three tickets in the back of the your book. No, no, no. Yeah. We went on to form many other bands. I see, I see, I see. What happened after this was my mum was kind of... Um, we got to know the big bands and the guys, the cool kids in the big bands who are a bit older than us. And uh, I was like, can I go back on the bus, mum, please, with all the cool kids? It'd be so fun. And she... Um, she allowed me to. I don't She'd think let my sister you get in a rock bus. In a rock bus. High on your victory. High on my victory and then drinking beer as oh. well. In Abu Dhabi. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dubai and Abu Dhabi border. I mean, I should oh probably God. not say this. They might come and arrest me. <laughs> Madness. They've got people everywhere. You live in a castle, I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> yeah, just pull up the drawbridge. Yeah, oil the oil. <laughs> <laughs> but they, um, yeah, so we went back in this bus. I just remember sitting at the back of this bus being like, I fucking made it. I have truly made it. I am with the cool kids. I'm drinking beer and I'm listening to Metallica. Oh, that <laughs> yes. is Yes, life great. can't possibly get better than this. And to be honest, I think 
that's what made me want to do music because I was just wow. like, this is so much fun. Once you taste that blood, you've got to have some more. Mm. Exactly. That was it. That validation as well must have been amazing. Yeah. Well, especially being the underdogs completely. And yeah. Suddenly it's like the cool kids want to talk to us. And yeah. Us on the bus. Also, <laughs> when you're that age and someone makes a judgment that you're cool, it's like, then it's just a fact. Yeah. It's not a subjective thing. It's like the cool kids say I'm cool. Fucking hell, I must be cool. <laughs> I don't know how it's gone so backwards since then. <laughs> I definitely oh, reached my off, peak it. a little bit early. <laughs> but then we sort of, after that, ended up forming this little group of people um, that all formed other bands, yeah. thus, thus the extra ticket stumps. Going back to what you were saying about music uh, in your school, mm. so they, they just stopped music lessons completely at school? Yeah, so we had... I went to a Lebanese international school wow. um, called Shwefat. Um, which is part of this Sabbath system, right? Um, and they've got a very different way. They think everybody can be kind of molded into being the same. You can Wonderful. That's doctors, just, nurses. That's just what you they want. must have been delighted when you came along. <laughs> oh <my God>. well, <laughs> thing is, I, I was actually a bit of a nerd and I aced my like O-levels and then basically they split you into like languages and sciences and languages are for thickos and sciences are for clever people. <laughs> and languages also consist of biology, by the way just to tell you how, how artsy this is. There's no art, no PE, no music, wow. um, no drama, no nothing like that. So I remember going, um, deciding to go to languages because I liked history and literature and yeah. biology, believe it or not. And they, uh, all of my teachers were like, Hannah, but, you know, you could be a doctor, you could be an engineer. And I was like, but, yeah, but I don't want to be. And they just couldn't believe that that's not what you'd want to do. Yeah. But the weirdest thing about that school is that they have one... Um, branch in the UK where they used to send people who didn't pass the year to go and do summer school and like there was like seven exams a week blah blah, blah. it's really strict um and this school I knew was somewhere in the west country I was walking the dog like the first week moved to the castle and uh closed this gate by this big like kind of old building and I look at it and it just says Sabbath and I'm like oh my god I'm living a mile <laughs> I can't escape this place. It's terrifying. Oh my god! So yeah, I'm I'm living a mile from the only one school of that type. That's you in need this country. To, you need to come up with some kind of smuggling program where you do secret music. Yeah. You just hide in the bushes and yeah, literally, and just like children, yes. come and make music at my you castle. Sit in the field on the other side with like a guitar and be like, yeah, come and sing with me. But like that is like something from the plot of Matilda or something like that. Like music and creative studies all banned. We want to t- turn children into like doctor drones. It was so weird. They had things like careers and advising lessons where the head of the school would basically lecture you on... There's one famous saying I remember. He was like, you all come... You're like Coke bottles. I'm sorry, I won't do the accent. (laughs) (laughs) No, please. It's going to be offensive. (laughs) Um, You're like Coke bottles. You'll come in here looking different and we'll send you out looking the same. Oh, Oh, Jesus. So dystopian, right? Yeah. It must have felt like properly properly rebellious then to be into metal and like playing this kind of music and listening to Metallica on the back of a bus. Oh yeah. The thing is that kind of made you in some ways want to rebel more. So I I did, I pierced all my ears and they weren't allowed. I I pierced my own lip. Oh wow. And used to like have it like a clear one in school that I'd suck in and out every time I walked past somebody. So because you've got this kind of establishment that's so anti what you believe in, it makes you kind of go, well, 
Yeah. I'm, I'm giving the Vs, but no one can see. <laughs> Radio Vs. Radio Vs, exactly. But yeah, it's a very... But saying this, like, my family, my parents are, like, massive, crazy party hippies, so I definitely didn't come from somewhere that slotted into that yeah. world. So it does go to show that if you've got, you know, there's that great John Lee Hooker track uh, where he goes, uh, one night, lay down, I heard Papa tell Mama. Let that boy boogie woogie. Let that boy boogie is woogie. Because it's in him and it's got to come out. You know what? If it's in you, it's got to come out, you know? And it doesn't matter if they're trying to turn you into a Coke bowl. I think the more they squash it, the more you kind of want to do it in some ways. If I'd gone to a school that was like, oh, you know, you've got great talent, you should learn the flute, which I did, by the way. Um, But you end up sort of being moulded by other people in some ways when you're not forced to do that you kind of find your own path yeah and i think i think often if it's if it's all very easy and out laid out and you can do anything and you know then it can lead to quite easy bland thinking mm-hmm. do you know what i mean if, if everything's just like oh yeah that's fine yeah go ahead and do it. you know oh you want to write something yeah go ahead then there's no pressure on it and it you kind of gets it can get to a stage where because there isn't enough jeopardy in it mm. you don't really push yourself I mean, I say as an artist, I'm sure you're just a kid at that stage, but, you know. <laughs> no, but I think it's also like, um, like if you have to save up to buy your first guitar, yeah, that's going to mean so much more to you than if you just get given one. And, you know, you've wanted that for so long, you've worked for it, and suddenly it's like, it feels like you're battling something against the odds, so somehow it feels more worthy. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't finish that sentence very well, but you know what I mean. I'm getting <laughs> it, I'm getting <laughs> it, I'm getting it, it. Yeah, yeah, especially at that age, you know, to yeah. to... Yeah, to be told that you're you're not supposed to be doing something, yeah. or to be not encouraged to do something. And like you say, Metallica's like I mean, even though they were a massive, massive band, um, you know, it's not it's not sort of your average pop, is it? <laughs> so you know, they're, they're, it's it's like a proper thing. Well, this group were you know? properly sort of metalheads, and we actually organised one of the first um, ever underground music festivals in Abu Dhabi wow. because one of the members of the group of the Illuminatus group who were you know the cool kids um the bass player was um the Spanish ambassador's son <laughs> wow. so we managed to hijack the Spanish embassy nice. <laughs> sold tickets called it was called because they were their surname was Pombo it was called Pombo Fest oh my <laughs> God. I'm sure Emma my sister still has one of these ticket stubs amazing um and it was it was brilliant to be honest like we had like i don't know it must have been a few hundred people and like wow. all kids that it wasn't like that sounds just great free in that in that environment that must have, those kids must have been going oh yeah this is amazing yeah. well it was so different i mean like not all the schools were like that but there wasn't really you know like we had a few people come out and play like it's not like it's now where everyone goes out to have yeah. and plays formula one and stuff like that we had like I think Brian Adams came. That was about ever. Wow. Michael Jackson was supposed to come, and then his nose melted. Apparently, <laughs> it is hot out there. It is hot. This is before Abu Dhabi. Oh I mean, it, it must have been in like I don't know. Well, on the way, yeah. and it already mel- melted. So just as well he didn't come. When did you move away from Abu Dhabi? Uh, I left. I finished school there at huh? 18. I'm, I just slipped into an Australian accent then because I'm about to tell you that I moved to Australia. <laughs> Fair <laughs> and enough. I do it every yeah. time. You're like me because my, <laughs> my family, my, my mum and dad were very Irish and had broad Irish accents. Um, my dad, though, had joined the American Air Force, so we lived on right. American Air Force bases until we came here and then I went to an English school. And whichever circle I'm in... I immediately start dropping into that accent, whatever it is. Right, I'm the same. Like when I, so I went to Australia um, to do uni, and 
I moved over there with a girlfriend at the time, actually, and then had a... I was trying to do an arts degree. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And she actually convinced me to do music, so kudos oh. to her. Um, I auditioned for this tiny, like, Mickey Mouse music school. Not Mickey Mouse, that sounds rude. <laughs> Hopefully no one will hear it. <laughs> They'll all be back at the school going, ah, oh, sure, our ex is on. Here she comes. Mickey what? <laughs> I was thinking anyway, Mickey, Mickey Mouse what, has right? a music school. That sounds prestigious. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely wasn't Disney, that's for sure. It was um, a smaller music mm. at school where I did a music degree there. But they, it was awesome. But I, I then realised... Um, when my visas run out and I had and I've got a British passport, so I came to live here for the first time. I was like, oh God, well. So how old were you when you actually came back to here? Uh, came back to here. Twenty. When you came here. Well, yeah. came here. Um, I've been coming back because we've got family here, mm. so in the summers and stuff. Um, I was probably twenty-three, five, twenty-three. Wow. Four. Oh, God, I have no idea. It must be cold. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my God, it was cold. <laughs> and then I realised that the only reason that people go to music uni is so that they've got loads of musician contacts. Yeah, yeah. And oh. then the I was network. like, oh, God, I've got to start at the Just bottom. Just start again. But, yeah, yeah it's, it's the best way to go, right? Hey, you've done all right, haven't you? Yeah. You've done all right for yourself. Just about. But I, when I came over here, I had an absolutely Australian accent. No one would have known. Really? That's amazing. <laughs> and still, when I'm nervous, I slip into it because... I think I associate it with the first performances I did. And, uh, or proper, other than Battle of the Bands, obviously, in Dubai. That was a, yeah. I was much braver then. It's interesting, um, like the whole uh, Metallica thing, because one of the things I find very interesting about uh, Snow Ghosts as a band, um, from the very first... I remember the, the morning I first played the video on the on, the, on my iPad or something. What was the first one? I'm sure you remember. Oh, Lost at Sea. Oh, was it? Lost oh, my sea, God. Yeah. You I, I bought old school. <laughs> well, I was, I was into throwing snow and Ross's stuff. Yeah. Because he used to live in London Fields, and I think we had some random moment on Twitter where he said, oh, my dreams have just come true. I've, I've made a record. And I was like, oh, what's that? You know, I didn't know, didn't know from Adam then. Um, and we just had a really nice chat about how pleased he was about it. So I thought, fuck it, I'll down to Fonica at lunchtime and said, have you got the throwing snow single? And, it's, and then, you know, it's one of those things where you're kind of just being polite to people and having a nice chat and then you, you actually listen to it and it's really fucking good. I mean, I just, I was blown away by it. <laughs> and I kind of just collected all his stuff then. And then when that came along, the, the Lost at Sea, I just thought it was so brilliant sounding because for me, it brings together a lot of um, things that are quite important in my life. You know, like, obviously, I, w- I was very into clubbing and raving and all that sort of stuff. So, Dance music and great bass and that, those kind of productions are really, really great to me. But I was also goth when I was a youth. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, like the, got. <laughs> the whole the whole darker side of it. Now, I was kind of a predated metal. I was more of a Sisters of Mercy goth rather than a, a post-industrial goth. Can you have that on a T-shirt? I, I <laughs> Sisters 1985, <laughs> that's what we used to have. Um, but it has this darkness about it, which um, I found very interesting musically because um, outside of kind of your dark drum and bass kind of vibe, a lot of especially songs with uh, electronic songs with singing in, tend to be on the positive side. They tend to be very bright and very kind of like, you know, it's it's like they're all looking for this melodic, pleasing thing that mm. just kind of soars along, you know, or whatever. And what I liked about the Snow Ghost thing, the moment I thought it's just, just like, this is dark as night, mate. <laughs> this is so... Because your voice is very, like, smoky kind of 
uh, vibe to it. The lyrics were very intriguing and kind of the whole idea of like a lost at sea and all this sort of stuff. I just thought it's amazing. And uh, oh, thank you rather so brilliantly, <laughs> you've got darker and weirder as time's gone on. <laughs> is that as a person? Or... <laughs> I'd say, well, it must be, it must be, both ways, I think. I think it is. But we sort of did, we didn't start off like that, really, because I, I had no idea about electronic music at all, really. Ross was my introduction to it, because I'd come from a kind of metally, folky, weirdly, I know that sounds like a strange well, combination, but it does yeah. kind of work, it, in my it, opinion. It has that folky strand as well, and like, like I said, where I grew up is a big folk area. Yeah. You know, well, I think, actually, you say that, I think... I recently discovered I'm like mostly Irish as well. Um, ah. Well, it's in you then. It's got to come out. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> but it's a, a well. They say that everyone says that it's like being in America, isn't it? It's like I'm Irish. <laughs> no, but I choose to believe that you're Irish. Welcome to the fold. Yeah, you're in. You're in. Well, I, I know that my grandmother was Portuguese Irish and grew up. Wow, in what a combination! <gasps> I was so disappointed recently because I did a genetics test and I don't have any Portuguese. No. Oh. But apparently, the way that these things work, um, it depends on how many people in those areas take the test because the only way it works is comparing it to other... Oh, that's interesting. I want to say half the group, but I might have got that wrong. So there's a load of Portuguese people going, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're not getting my DNA. Exactly. Probably very sensibly as well. But yeah, it turned out it's mostly Irish. But I've always loved Irish music and I'm... Mm. I, I think I love the inflections and the... I find I think I adapt a lot of it. Yeah, well, I mean, like I, I said, I, I do hear a lot of that in, in what you do. You know, for me, like I say, it brings these three things together that are kind of they very rarely come together i mean like, i guess you you know laptops and folk maybe occasionally come together <laughs> or, you know but uh, th there is there is a certain um a, a folky feel that is very rare in what because I, I would consider it a dance well, certainly when it started mm. it was a dance music act really well, it got weird uh, but you got weirder <laughs> no, it's kind of less so now but that kind of folkiness and darkness was a very unusual sound i think at that stage and that really drew me in and has kept me i think that's probably why you were one of our only like fans. <laughs> i was i was right there from the start i was like hi i get this and we were like who are you and why do you understand this that's i think I, I, my uh, my first i wrote a review of you and i think uh, i said uh, i compared you sounded like a heavy metal sandy denny Oh wow. Which is, which is a good, good I, line, I, I think. That's a very good line. Very well, good. add that to the CV. <laughs> Curious listeners can have their curiosity stated now because your third phonographic memory, you have promised and committed <laughs> to singing it for us. I'm now regretting that hugely. No, don't say that. <laughs> can you whack a load of reverb on me? <laughs> just <laughs> make me sound whatever like you need. in a church. You have to do old school, just stand in the hall. <clears throat> Hushabye, don't you cry Go to sleep, my little darling When you wake, you shall find All the pretty little ponies Dapples and grey Pintos and bay, all the pretty little ponies. Do you know the take? <laughs> that was fabulous. That was absolutely oh, stunning. Lovely. That sounded like six people singing at once. <laughs> now you Did I up the volume? So no, sorry. Really? no, just the. Just got oh, that quality, it, isn't it? It has. It's. It's such. A, it's sort of multi-leveled. It's beautiful, and oh, the, you can hear you. the folky inflections there too. It's one of my favourite 
songs. I've looked at doing like <clears throat> versions of it for things for mm -hmm. you know TV and film, but I just there's part of me that it's so central to my life and my childhood that it feels like blasphemy to do anything mm. with it. But so, so this is something your mum would sing to you. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah. Um, and I have no reason, I don't actually know, I haven't asked her why, and I really should have done before I came on here, but I didn't have enough time. Um, but I have, it takes me straight back to yeah. being, drifting into sleep. Mm. And it's beautiful, but I also didn't realise how dark the song actually is when you look into it. Have you had a... Just, just expand on that. Um, <laughs> well, I was looking at it... Um, I forgot, because ages ago I was looking at maybe doing something with it, um, kind of, not commercially, but, you know, um, as a recording. Mm. But it's um, potentially um, written by an African-American um, slave uh, mother and is about not being able to look after her own child because she has to look after her master's child. And then I found the second verse. Like, the whole thing is completely different to what, I've listened to as a child because like all wonderful folk kind of auditory yeah. memories uh, you you know they change and shift yeah. we were discussing that with Tim Plesser the other day that mm. the, the, the versions become almost like a form of news and a, a, you know everyone's yeah. got their own take on these yeah, songs they evolve I think and everybody you know like the all the lyrics are different but um, the one um, the second verse um, I'll read it out if you guys are because yeah, yeah, I, I it. brought it but um, the second verse uh, according to Alan Lomax's book, uh, American Ballads and Folk Songs, it says, Way down yonder in the meadow, there's a poor little lammy. The bees and butterflies pecking out its eyes. The poor little lammy cries mammy. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's no wonder you went it's on pretty to heavy. form Even Snow <laughs> Ghost and, and make all that so crazy. No, I didn't dark know music. about this. Mum's never sung me that. Even if that's literally about a lamb, it's that's really sad. It's still quite weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty, I mean, like, the thing is, it's it's such a beautiful melody. And to me, it's mm, like, yeah. it is, there's something so calming about it. And I've done this, um, I've, <laughs> I've started a little project, not project, but I've written a couple of folk songs, uh, lullabies for uh, friends of mine that have babies and mm. done their own little lullaby for them. So my oh, sister wow. had a baby recently and I wrote a little one for him. But it's got... Well, actually, Ross made me put it in a minor key, so you can blame him for the darkness on this one. <laughs> He's but always producing that boy. He's always on the, on the button. Yeah, even with a lullaby. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's a beautiful song, but but obviously with very dark beginnings. Yeah. And I feel like this is a really dark place to, to stop, so it has to no, it's, else. It's, it's good, though. Um, I was going to say, uh, I find it interesting, when we, we've done the shows... Uh, Everyone who comes along uh, brings along their little memories and they, they talk about it. And quite often it's about how the song reaches you. Mm -hmm. um, so when Mel Harrison came on, it was about the fact that she had a personal stereo and suddenly she had this private world of music she could take with her. And then Tim Blester came along the other week and he was talking about uh, his dad was a Morris man and his uncle was a Morris man. And so the music that he heard um, that he was talking about, he actually heard live around the village as he was growing up. And I think you're the first one to come along and say, this is actually sung directly <laughs> to you. And that's really, you know, when we talk about um, music and how it reaches you and how it hits you in a certain way, I can think of a few things more intimate than having your mother sing you to sleep with a song. Mm. It's a really beautiful idea, you know? Yeah. I, well, I love the fact that it's so... It's ancient. Yeah. Like, this has been happening for, you know, as far as we know, time immemorial. Like, you... 
sing your child to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think true. there's something timeless about that. It's, you know, obviously the, the melodies have changed, the words have changed, yeah. even if they had words, but maybe even pre-words, who knows? It's, it's that magical kind of connection. Yeah, absolutely. But also a way of memorizing things, which is, I well, think, what true. you... Well, that's true. And it, it, like, so it's, it, you know, Alan Lomax was all about, um, you know, capturing these um, songs that were basically disappearing out of, out of common parlance. But they were all literally, they weren't written down, they were handed down in terms of, I sing it to you, you sing it back to me. Once you know it, you go and sing it to so-and-so, they'll sing it back to you. And then, you know, and it's a big chain like that. Mm. And as you say, that makes the, the very song alive. Like classical music, when uh, a composer writes down the thing, there it is, note for note, yeah. a whole lot, play it like that, there's time signatures there, these bits say where you rest, these bits say where you play, do that. It's very, very, very prescriptive. And, of course, you've got a conductor who maybe gives a, a slight angle on it. interpretation, but yeah. But, yeah. It, but it's still very much on rails. Yeah. And I think what's great about the, the folk music thing is that those rails become quite slippy yeah. and you and can suddenly go off of, in all sorts of directions. Um, of like documenting events pre mm. pre writing, you know, yeah. you'd you'd sing tales of people, you know, like bards and things like that. So, where did your mum pick up the song from? Do you think? I don't know, um, and I should ask her. But if I message her now, she might be asleep because she's in the Middle East. So, oh, well, don't wake her up. Um, it might, uh, but I will ask her, and I can I can yeah. let you know. Yeah, yeah drop us a line, um, and we'll, we'll see in a future episode. It was probably from her mum. Yeah, which would be the obvious that'll, that'll because be the I don't know where else she would it, have yeah. learnt it really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it isn't, then I'll let you know. <laughs> now, the, the second verse, you mm, never got there. No. What sort of effect would it have had <laughs> if she had done the second verse? I suppose, yeah, exactly. But I suppose it makes sense if you had, you know, um, a slave woman kind of, it almost brings a whole load of, like, vice to it, singing mm. it to someone's child that you don't care about, knowing that your own is... Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Dark and it's weird as well when you hear it, like when you're exposed to, to dark sort of stories like that when you're a kid, the impact it has. I remember, um, uh, did, were you guys ever, did you guys ever have the little prince read to you, the Oscar? Yes. yes. It's, an Os- it's Oscar Wilde story, isn't it? Yeah. See, I never did actually. And I did know about not? it. Like, um, I have a lot of friends who've talked about it. And yeah, but yeah. Again, because of like, I suppose being in the least, I have so many culture like complete wipeouts. Well, it sounds like you had different cultures coming at you from all directions. I mean, how did uh, like a Negro spiritual slave song come into the vernacular of your mum's mum? You'd think, you'd, you'd wonder, wouldn't you? But and that wasn't even the grandmother that had any sort of like, um, <laughs> Caribbean connections. Yeah. But this is, um, but I, she never sang the second verse. I yeah, only discovered yeah, yeah, that yeah. like year or well, a few years ago. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I only know, and even the words that I've got and the melody I've got, and not what's written down and how other people have done it. Like, there's a horrendous... I've tried to find a recording for you guys um, because I was thinking about not singing... Well, actually, I was going to find a recording um, and then decided I had to sing it because the only one I could find was a Kenny wow. Loggins version. Oh, amazing. <laughs> We're not having that. Stop. Kenny Loggins recording. Oh, wow. my God. It's, have you heard I can't it? even begin I'm to, trying to imagine. I'm trying to imagine no. Kenny Loggins like, saying the words... Picking the lambs. <laughs> I don't know if he gets to that. Oh, but see, no one does the second verse. That's the yeah. thing, isn't it? I yeah. found it like a horrendous YouTube video as well. That's just like his version of it with kind of montages of pictures of horses fading into each other. Um, all these different 
is this is what the internet was inventing for. Exactly. Oh my God, Kenny Loggins of all people. Well, I'm really glad you sung it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, now there's going to be a superior I version. Could, I could have subjected you to it. I mean, there's some useful versions. There's some lovely folk versions and stuff as well yeah. by, by British bands as well. But Kenny Loggins is there. Kenny Loggins is dominating YouTube. He's at the top. In the, uh, Big hit. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> Amazing. That's really nice. That's a lovely story. Yeah. Um, Apart from the birds pecking out eyes. I, mean, I kind of like that I like the dark. I know yeah. you like the dark. That's why I brought it. Mm. <laughs> it's amazing. Dark point to, to end on it. No, it's perfect. Oh, That's perfect. what we want. Deep and dark Ring and the dark meaningful. While well, well, you're still here. Yes. So uh, you did have a very, I don't know if you're still working there, but you did have an, a, a really interesting job that I used to enjoy because uh, you did a bit of music placement, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> Yes, so I used to work uh, in music supervision for a company called Extreme Music, which is a production music library. So, putting film to uh, sorry music to TV and film and advertising and stuff like that. Um, I know where you're going with this. Well, basically, basically, <laughs> Hannah's my favourite Facebook person. Oh yeah, because <laughs> when she was working there, she'd occasionally just. Uh, uh, pop up with a uh, music brief. I've got to find a piece of music that sounds like squirrels being attacked by Messerschmitts <laughs> or something like that. You know, you'd be like, what? And I Lizzie, love that challenge. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging through the records straight away. Let's find one of these. I've hashtagged them all. So what I was hoping eventually to do is to make the most obscure toilet book 
ever written. Like, who's going to buy that apart from you, Eamon? Oh, it's amazing. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a copy for free. So you might be the only person that buys it. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Oh, my God. What's the biggest challenge you had in that job? Because you did have some perlers. Searchers. Well, okay, uh, I think one of my favourites was... I need music to kill cows too. <laughs> what the fuck? Was that for a McDonald's ad or something? No, I think it was something BBC. I liked the one where you said, uh, uh, we want music to play as a man mows his lawn and very nearly hits a dog poo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my and God. I, and I, I, I pulled out last night by the Marquesas, you know, and it did kind it of sound like good. someone just dodging around through the it poo. It was very good. Like minor peril. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was oh, very, very minor peril. <laughs> <laughs> no, what an amazing job. Them. I hope I'm just going to have to... Well, to be honest, they're all... Every single one is copy-pasted genuine. How delightful to have you in today. And thank, thank you so, so much, much for sharing for your memories in. with me. Thank you and both Anne. so much. And uh, best of luck with more Snow Ghost goodness. Wonderful uh, to hear you sing, my God. Where can we hear more of that? Oh, thank you. Um, ah, we have lots in the pipeline. We've just... Yeah. Um, actually, I can't announce this yet, I don't think. We've done some live <laughs> versions of things that <laughs> yeah. are going to be in, on the incoming We should keep an eye soon. out. But it's been really fun, actually, working with, like... Some very different musicians, like the crazy horn person and, yeah. uh, sorry, John Kenny, I should say. Yes. <laughs> Go crazy horn. I'm, I'm sure yeah. John is known by all his family as a crazy least, horn guy. At least I didn't yeah. say the horny crazy person. That would have been way worse. Yeah, no, there's going to be lots, yeah. lots and coming up. Thank well, you guys so much. That's a pleasure. Where can we find you on social media? Snow Ghosts? Um, everywhere. Yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Twitter. I'm a bit shit at all of them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've got to you've got to wait for something interesting to happen. I don't Absolutely. just want to bombard you with rubbish. But then, latest but, album, A Quiet Ritual, yes. is out now on Hands Tooth Records. It's out, yes. And it is a proper listen. Really, really good. Uh, I advise it on, the, on dark winter nights. On your own in a castle. Ordering <laughs> 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 oh, brilliant. Oh, Fabulous. thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Oh, likewise. Lovely. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Now, if you've enjoyed us rambling inanely about music, you might enjoy the actual music even more, which is why every week there is a What Goes Around Spotify playlist. And we hope that it will give you a little more detail on some of the music that is featured in today's show. If you enjoyed today's show, feel free to get in touch with us at whatgoespod at gmail.com or you can contact us on Twitter at whatgoespod or Instagram at whatgoespod. 